When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of AMA. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm going to be answering your questions. If you ever want to get one of your questions answered, be sure to go to connect at impacttheory.com. And I guess you don't go there. You send an email. Send an email to connect at impacttheory.com. And our man, Chase, is going to give you some priority and make sure that you get answered. And if you want to be anonymous, by the way, be sure to put that. All right, because now I'm on the hype train for our first comic book releasing on October 4th. I'm going to shout that out. October 4th, as of September 4th, I think, 4th or 5th, we're going to be able to announce finally who the celebrity is that is attached to the book, which I'm really excited to tell you guys about. So only one more week, I think, until we're able to shout that from the rooftops, which is very, very exciting. But come by NYC October 4, 5, 6, and 7, and Lisa and I and a bunch of people from the crew are going to be there. Come say what's up, Chase. You're going to be there, right? Yeah. Come say what's up to Chase, everybody. We will see you there, Javits Center, this October. Uh, only come if you're interested in comic books, otherwise I feel like I'm dragging you out. But if you are interested in that kind of stuff, come by, say what's up, take a picture. I'm super excited to see you guys and tell you all about that book. We've been working on it for a very long time, uh, and I think it's amazing, so can't wait to share. All right, first question is from Daniel Breeze. Why is Rock Bottom so powerful? This can be open-ended, but to be more specific, let's take addiction as an example. An alcoholic will understand that his actions are counterproductive, but will continue to abuse his addiction. Why do they not stop and tell their own version of Rock Bottom? What can they do to stop early? All right, this is such a rad question. I was just thinking about this the other day. So something that I think about an inordinate amount is why don't people want things? Because really, truly, the reason that people don't succeed is because they don't want it enough. That, that is so true. Like, really let that sink in. Whatever it is in your life that you haven't accomplished, it's because you don't want it enough. Or, look, there is a flip side to that coin. You just haven't been going hard enough at it for a long enough time making the right decisions. But I really want to focus on not wanting it enough. When I think about all the times where I'm scared to death, I'm not sure if I should keep moving forward, the thing that keeps moving, moving me forward is the goal that I've decided to go after. I decided to go after because I want it so badly that I can taste it. And I just go crazy and building that up and fanning those flames and making sure that it's something that I really want. And the art of wanting is something that I think people are particularly bad at. So what rock bottom gives people is an absolute crushing desire to never again be there. And when you have a desire that profound, even if it's a desire to move away from something, once you have that desire, literally a burning, intense, all-consuming desire, suddenly your actions fall in line because you want it that badly. Like at a, at a energy level, a neurochemical level, and I don't mean energy like in some woo-woo way, I mean literally, like you have the energy to push, to fight, to keep going, no matter how tired you are, no matter how much you want that next drink or that next bump of cocaine or whatever your addiction is, no matter how badly you want that, the thing that you want even more 
is to never again be in that place. But this really comes down to desire. That's it. And once you understand that the thing that makes rock bottom powerful is the very thing that keeps the high achievers in the world going is they want something. Now there's two kinds of want. There's move away from and there's move towards. And you've got to figure out what motivates you more. I'm far more motivated by moving towards something that I'm excited about than I am moving away from pain. But many people, maybe even most people, are far more motivated by moving away from pain, never wanting to be in that position again, than they are by moving towards something. It doesn't matter which one motivates you. It's not like one is better than the other. You just need to understand which is real for you and then put yourself in that position so that you can cultivate either that move away from and really paint that picture of something you do not want to be around again. So to your point about how can you earlier before this catastrophic rock bottom, how can you find a way to get away from it? You've got to change the code that you live by to the point where you have enough negative emotion around that place where you already are that you don't need to get all the way to killing someone in a car accident or neglecting your children or whatever that rock bottom is. And before you get to that, you've allowed yourself to feel the negative ramifications of where you are enough that you're able to move away from that. But the reality is most people can't do that and they're gonna have to hit something that's sort of pre-programmed in them to be so painful that they're gonna have to move away from it. But for those of you out there listening that are able to cultivate that in yourself, either the desire to move towards something or to change your sense of what is acceptable in your life to the point where you actually take action, that's how you can stop before you hit some absolutely crushing rock bottom. God, I love that topic. I could talk about that a lot. The power of want. The power of want. All right, Christy Lee. I have a business idea that I'm really excited about. A new concept for a healthy fast food chain. However, this will be my first business venture and I have no experience in this industry. In order to succeed, I need to find the right co-founders to work with. How do I go about finding these people? Okay, so finding co-founders is pretty much exactly like finding a spouse. The stakes are that high, so go into um, finding a business partner like you would go into a spouse. So you're going to need to meet people. You're gonna need to go to places where the kind of people that you wanna meet hang out. So you live in the era of the internet. I can't imagine how much easier it is for people than it was for the previous generation. Even I came up really in this pre-internet and if it hadn't been for the fact that the um, guys that ended up becoming my partners at Quest, they literally randomly came across my path. Um, And you wanna talk about luck is like a bus and there's always another one coming but you've gotta be prepared, you've gotta have the tuition in terms of skill set. When they came across my path, they happened to see me in a moment where I was shining, which is what made them interested in working with me. Um, And then we got to know each other before we started working in business. And then remember, they hired me as a copywriter. It was pretty low stress on their part. And quite frankly, for me, it was just a job. So I could have always left if I wanted to. And then it was only after working together for years that they made me a partner and then ultimately growing into after having worked together. God, by the time we were equal partners, I'd probably been working with them for seven or eight years. So it, that was a lot of years to figure out who each of us were before we committed to being equal partners. So, um, That's how I would treat it. So you live in the era of the internet. You're gonna find Facebook groups and the like, uh, find out what's going on on LinkedIn, go to uh, meetup events for people in the industry that you wanna be in. I bet, I bet in your area, wherever you are, there is a meetup for people in the food industry. So not only can you find people that are interested in being an entrepreneur, you can probably find people that are interested in being an entrepreneur in that particular niche that you're in. You can certainly find people in the health 
industry and that will be very interested in launching a health food company. So um, go to those meetups, meet people, spend time with them, get to understand personality types because here's even more than it's important to figure out how to meet them, which um, yeah, we've already covered. The real key is understanding what to look for in a partner, which has everything to do with where you're deficient. So they say, if there are two partners that think alike, one of them is irrelevant. So there's no reason to have a partner who thinks like you think. You need to share values for sure because you don't wanna be going to into business with somebody that is very okay in the gray areas, but let's say you're not at all okay with that. That would be a very friction-filled relationship. But you also don't want someone who sees the world the way that you see the world because if you guys see everything the same, then you're not gonna have somebody that's pushing the thinking forward because you want that healthy friction where you're each forcing the other person to think a little bit differently and this one is critical. When it comes down to dividing labor, if you both love the same things and hate the same things, then neither of you are gonna to wanna to do the lame things. So the key is to find somebody that loves things that you hate and that hates things that you love. If you've got two people that are just big picture and neither of you wants to get into the details, you're really in trouble. If you've got two people that are into the details but you don't wanna think about the big picture, then you're never gonna go anywhere. So you really need multiple skill sets. So finding partners that are strong where you're weak is, is really critical and not and not just strong but that they have a real interest in doing that arunima arunima s i moved to france six years ago six years back to explore new frontiers in life and work i discovered my to my utter horror that whatever works for the rest of the world doesn't work in france openness resilience hard work persistence etc in short what if all the life lessons which your guests have learned and taught us do not work in france i used to believe i was bold smart and could make things happen i feel totally powerless and hopeless about everything in life wow i am so at my rock bottom that a new term has to be invented to define rock bottom how do i overcome the situation quitting feels more painful than all the pain i have endured until now my friend I have a lot of uh, compassion. I really feel for you. I get what this is like. You've made a huge bet. You've gone over, you've done things, and I bet that there's stuff that you love about that place. And so quitting on it, giving up, feels like admitting defeat. I'm sure there are people back home that will say, ha, I told you, I told you you shouldn't move to France. And you said, no, this is gonna be amazing. And you put a lot of chips on it emotionally. All of that is a death trap. What you just described is my nightmare. I would never wanna be in that situation. And so you've gotta let go of having any identity around being right. You were wrong. You thought France was gonna be rad and France sucks. So there it is, it is what it is. And so beating yourself up over that, that you made a mistake, is just going to perpetuate that mistake and make it worse and worse and worse and worse. When you tell me that we need to invent a new word for you to define rock bottom, we know that we need to change. And that's awesome because you have so much clarity. Now we know the way to solve this problem, get out of France. Now, I know that France is an amazing place for millions, hundreds of millions, maybe more people. So this isn't a commentary on France, this is just saying it doesn't fit with you. And to be able to admit that, to own that, even if you have to go and stand in front of people that are judging the life out of you, don't let them trap you in France because you don't want to admit that you're wrong. Like just own it. it when you get to the point where you actually gain self-esteem from being able to admit that you were wrong fast to be able to face that criticism, and here's the thing, man, this, when I say people treat you exactly the way you let them treat you, this is exactly what I'm talking about. If you come in and you say, 
yeah, I was wrong. And they're like, oh, you're such a fool. I told you. And you like get pissed off and you get worked up. You're going to create this cycle. If on the other hand, you either let it literally just roll off your back or you just call it out and say, look, I totally get it. And you're absolutely right. I was wrong, but it really is upsetting to me when you keep driving it home and that doesn't feel good. And as somebody that really wants to connect with you and have a positive relationship, I just ask that you not do that. And then they're going to fucking stop or cut them out of your life. But if you let them harangue you and you get wound up, it's just going to keep going. So you have two different options that you can explore there. But please, I'm begging you as somebody that cares about you and your future, get out of France. Like, own it. It was a mistake. You learned a lot of powerful stuff. You know what you want. You know what you value. I think you're going to come back a stronger version of yourself, more focused. You know um, the code that you want to live by, which sounds like you know you want to be resilient. You want to have openness. All that stuff that was holding you back. And then when you get back, be very, very, very open to the fact that you were creating a lot of your own problem in France. Um, I do believe that not every area is created equal, and a lot of the um, traits that you describe sound very entrepreneurial to me and I don't know enough about France to know if you're totally misreading the situation or not. Um, but when you come back, also be willing to look at if some of those patterns start to repeat that the problem is maybe a deeper issue with the way that you're thinking or approaching people or just um, seeing the things that you're focusing on and so you're seeing them everywhere, um, that that could be entirely a problem with you. And look, we'll be able to escape that one as well. And so don't be tense about that, uh, but take action. Don't be afraid to admit that you were wrong. Annette Pollock, I'm young and want to start a business, but I simply don't know what to do. I have no true passions, nor do I have a network of professionals that I can talk to. I have about $70,000 saved up, so capital isn't a problem for me to start up, but I truly don't know how to start and what to start. What would you suggest for someone in my position that has money saved up to start a business, but just doesn't know what business to get into? So here is the amazing news. You're in such an awesome, incredible, fantastic position to go out and explore. And that 70,000 is probably, even if you take some portion of that, is just better spent going and exploring and figuring out what it is exactly that you wanna do. And my advice is to take a year and spend eight weeks or 12 weeks going to different companies in wildly different industries and figuring out what you like. One of the things that I think really holds young people back is that they don't have enough experience to have a frame of reference. So I think about that a lot with the people that work here, and forgive me for being so self-congratulatory, but they, they literally don't understand culturally what we've created. Because culturally, I'm, this company is, I'm just gonna be brash and horrifying. This company is not second to none, but I'll say that we're in the absolute top tier, and I think that 10 years from now we really will be second to none, because we're creating an emotionally safe environment for people to strive for greatness. We have high standards and all that, and it's not a forever home. This is where you have to come and work your ass off. But like, I've, I have never been a part of a group that's more encouraging and empowering than the group that we've created here. It's, it's absolutely magical. And the young people are a critical part of that, but they don't have anything to compare it to. So they don't realize that it just isn't like this everywhere. And so, the reason that can be really bad is you can be in a really nasty, gross environment and not realize it doesn't have to be like that. And until you explore and try other things, you're not gonna see culturally what do you respond to in terms of the, the kind of role that you wanna play, what you respond to in terms of the industry, in terms of how you wanna serve people. Like all of that, 
you're only gonna discover as you go out and explore and be a part of things and try different things and not just settle on the first thing that you come across. One of the greatest things that's happened to me is I've unintentionally had to reinvent myself every 10 years. And so that's been insanely powerful for me to be able to, like coming into the comic industry, I cannot tell you how insane the comic industry looks from the outside. Like having done hundred, in fact, we did over a billion, what am I talking about? Having done well over a billion dollars in revenue at Quest, through retail distribution. It's like you come to this other industry and you look at it and go, wow, this is fundamentally broken. And it's so easy to see because you have experience in another industry. So go out, get experience in a lot of different industries, take that money to be able to intern at some really amazing places. You'd be shocked if you're willing to work for free, the the caliber of person that will invite you into their world where you can really learn some amazing high level stuff because oftentimes places will let interns touch some really incredible things, even if it's just sitting in on a meeting because they want it to be um, educational for them as well. So that's what I would do. All right, Ono Northy, what's up, dude? I see you in the feed all the time. What is up? Thank you for being a part of this community, by the way. Hi, Tom, what would you do if you learned of a marketing technique that would triple your comic sales but would force you to move your launch date back a year? How would you overcome the emotional drain of moving the finish line? Under no fucking circumstances would I move the launch date. So at some point you have to ship, literally, unless you told me, look, there is a circumstance in which I would push it back. I don't wanna say that there's not, but it wouldn't be one where it's, I'm just tripling sales on this current comic book. Momentum matters. I can't stress that enough. Momentum matters. Like people are obsessed. In fact, can we make a fucking challenge coin? Somebody that says momentum matters, please. Because people will are quick to remind you that you're gonna die, super powerful, unless of course you live forever. But nobody talks about momentum, this is really crazy to me. And people need to understand the difference between speed and momentum. Momentum is like the tide, the tide that will suck you out to sea, like that where it is, it is futile to fight against it. That's momentum. You can run fast. But if you're not catching other people up in your momentum, getting them excited, having that clear vision, overcoming obstacles where everything is just moving all together, even if it's slow, if it has momentum where it just can't be stopped and it's crashing through things, like that's what I'm talking about. Building that momentum for us now, emotionally, the realities of pushing the comic launch date back a year would be catastrophic in this company because people would lose faith in my ability to get things across the finish line. And that is an erosion of confidence I could never allow to happen. So the sales, I don't care. What I care about is turning this group of people into a monster that simply cannot be stopped. We are going to generate momentum. And a huge part of the momentum that we're generating is setting a date, having a goal, sticking to it, and getting after it. Now, having said that, I wanted to launch this damn thing eight months ago. So we've already suffered the slings and arrows of trying to coordinate with a celebrity and all that stuff, which is a whole another beast unto itself, but gives you a grand level of visibility. So anyway, momentum matters. We'll leave it at that. Cyan. I noticed that almost every person on your show said that living in service is the best way to live. I agree with this, but what happens if you notice that people are taking advantage of your kindness? Should I continue to help them and ignore that negative feeling they give me or stop helping them altogether? All right, so I don't know you, so I can't say if you're good at reading when people are taking advantage of you. Um, Sometimes I find that people are not actually good at that and that they have 
entitlement, I'm just going to say it regardless of age. Some people have entitlement and they think that they're, um, you know, they deserve to be treated a certain way. And I will just tell you right now, drop all that. Drop all that. It does not serve you. It is not going to help you in any way, shape or form. But if somebody's really taking advantage of you and you can see that, like move on. Like that just doesn't make sense. And this is one of the reasons that I'm so interested in scale. Like any one person, whether they're trying to milk the system or not, is pretty irrelevant to me. I, I Honestly, I don't even know that I would notice. So my thing is when you're trying to do something at scale and you're really trying to serve like groups of people, it A, becomes very difficult for people to take advantage of you. And then B, for me, just scale is inherently interesting because I want to touch as many lives as I can, as profoundly as I can. Um, so that's one way that that takes care of itself. But if I saw that somebody was um, being predatory, like with all the compassion and kindness in the world, I would just move on. Like I wouldn't make a big deal of it. I wouldn't throw a tantrum. I would just move on. And life is too short for that kind of stuff. So if you really believe that you're accurately perceiving that, don't make a big deal of it, but just move on to the next person. Because when it's like a two-way street and you're really able to help people and it's helping them from a place of a skill set that you've worked your ass off to build. And so you feel really good about the pursuit of those skills. You feel really good that you've acquired those skills and you feel really good that those skills actually help people in a way that's tangible. So. It's so rad, like I really wish that on everybody. So if you're in a situation that for whatever reason, you're not able to click into that zone, then move on. GC Madison, which do you believe is more important, attaining the funds to support big dreams or attaining the skill set to execute on said dreams? Okay, so if I had to do it all over again, I was just talking about this yesterday, I'm very good at assigning meaning to things that have already happened because I can't change what happened, but I can change how I think about them and how they inform my decisions moving forward. So if I had to do it all over again, I would not go into business and try to get rich before going into the film industry. Instead, what I would do is I would go, um, I mean, this is back in the late 90s, I would have just gone straight to Steven Spielberg and said, look, I'm gonna work harder and smarter than anyone you've ever met, and I would have done anything. I would have scrubbed his trash cans with a toothbrush without a complaint. You can't, like, oh God, when I think about what I could do now, I know it's a cliche, but if I knew then what I know now, oh my God, but I was so in my own way. I was so dumb. <sighs> It hurts a little to think about. But if truly I knew then what I know now about how you can capture someone's imagination by outperforming anything that they think is even approaching reasonable, that then they want you around, they want you to be there, they will teach you anything and everything. And look, it's a certain type of person. Some people are just predatory and horrible and you need to move on. But if you find the right person that has even an inkling of a desire to repay how hard you're working or the kindnesses or whatever, um, Oh my God, like the knowledge that you would gain, the connections that you would gain, I would be a monster already in the film and TV world if I had done that when I was um, clicking over into business. Like the, when I think about what I was able to do in business in even 15 years, it, it's, it's awesome, man. And it just reminds me of humans can change. This is not a me thing. This is just humans change thing. This is, humans are the ultimate adaptation machine. And I'm just very willing to look stupid, embarrass myself, be the young Padawan. Um, I don't care if people are making fun of me. I don't care if they don't know who I am. Like, I don't care about any of that. I'm happy to pay dues. I'm happy to claw my way up because secretly, secretly, and this is real, by the way, as much as I'm being theatrical, inside my soul, I know, on a long enough timeline, I will beat them all. And that one day, the people who are heckling me will be, I'll leave them in awe. 
I think that that's what humans are capable of doing. And I think that the thing that stops people is ego. And so if you can set that ego aside and really just go after it, then you will win. And so that's my thing. If I could go back and instead of chasing the money, I had just chased the skill set, I would have been able to get the skills and have the relationships and have shown people that I can make them money. And when you can make money for people, they will give you money. That is just like a no brainer. All right, Karina Groombridge, that's a cool last name. I was really impressed by your honesty when you were interviewing Jay Shetty. You said, if I were the interviewer I wanted to be, I would have asked this question earlier. It takes a lot of courage to admit your mistake during an interview, and I was wondering if you would tell me why you chose to share that when most would say nothing. Because uh, there's really two things. One, really truly, I took myself from scrounging in my couch cushions to find enough change to put gas in my car in a period where I felt hopeless and lost and alone but was trying to be cool and trying to get people to think I was cool to building a billion dollar business and making myself fantastically wealthy. And the way that I did that was by going, yeah, I'm not going to try to look cool anymore and I know that sometimes I am gonna look dumb because I really don't know what I'm doing or what I'm talking about. And the only sort of saving grace and the only way to get people to be comfortable with me trying is for me not to try to look cool, to always admit when I'm wrong. Um, and because that changed my life, like really, I'll tell you the time that my mother told me I was a superhero. So my mother's essentially husband had heart surgery and they were stuck in the place and it was far from where they live, and he just was so itching to get home. And they were stuck, like for some reason, their, their flight home, they couldn't change, so they were gonna be trapped there like another 48 or 72 hours. And she called me and she was very upset, and I just said, look, I'm gonna sort this out. And I knew either I'm just gonna throw money at the problem and be able to fly them home, or I'm gonna be able to convince the airline to change the ticket. Either way, like they're gonna get what they need. And so, through a bit of both, I was able to change the ticket and send them home. And in that moment, when my mom is like, goes from crying to feeling, literally saying to me that I'm a superhero, I was like, holy hell, 10 years ago, I wasn't capable of that. 10 years ago, I would have been just as emotionally distressed and felt hopeless and not known what to do or how to help. So I crossed that chasm and it changed everything. It changed my life, it changed my family's life. I just can't overstate enough you're capable of that change. And because I know everyone listening to this is capable of that change, and I want that change for them so sincerely that if I have to prostrate myself, show people, I half the time I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, like I'm just fumbling through this, but because I'm willing to admit it, A, people will come to my aid, B, not trying to look cool means I never trap myself, I'm always willing to learn, I take all of my pride in being willing to admit when I'm wrong, that I take my pride from staring nakedly at my inadequacies. Now the question is, why do I stare nakedly at my inadequacies? Because that is how you cross the chasm. Once you know what you're not good at, then you can develop those skills. But first you have to admit that you're not good at it. So I've just learned that one, all of that serves me by not trying to look cool, by always willing to admit when I'm wrong. Um, also, and this is advanced class shit, and you can forget this part, remember the earlier part, but advanced class, Stilo, part of it is saying it out loud, it stings a little bit, and so it holds me accountable, and it makes me wanna change that much more and actually become the interviewer that I wanna become. That's advanced class, don't focus on that for now, focus on the other stuff. Um, 
But knowing that you can change, dropping all the posturing and all that, and just really being who you are and always asking the questions, always being willing to admit when you're wrong, it, it will change you over time in a way you, you literally can't imagine. It will change you so profoundly. So yeah, um, I am committed to helping people because it makes me feel good and because I actually think we're living through a moment in time right now where a lot of people have a lot of attention and they're using it for some pretty rad stuff. So I wanna be a part of that movement. Who am I kidding? I wanna lead that movement. Um, but there you have it. All right guys, that's it. Join me in New York City. If you're gonna be anywhere near New York City, October 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th, I'm gonna be at New York City Comic Con debuting our comic book. I'm super amped, it's gonna be awesome. Come by, say what's up. If you're into comics and storytelling, if you're into pop culture, um, if you're just into um, you know, the raw mindset stuff, the book is about empowerment, it has that at its core, but it is a story. So think along the lines of The Matrix or um, Karate Kid. So it's, it is a story first and foremost, and 90% of the people that read it won't even recognize the themes. You guys will hear some of my voice in it of this, I assure you, um, but it is, it is entertainment, man. It's entertainment with the soul. It's entertainment around empowerment, but it's entertainment. But if you jive on that, if you jive on pop culture, um, come out. It would be so rad to meet people that are into that. And I'm going ham on this because people have told me they actually didn't know that we consider Impact Theory is a studio. We are here to make nonfiction content like this, as well as traditional fiction, TV shows, movies, comic books, all of it. We're building the inroads. It's going to be awesome. Come join us. New York City. October, four, five, six, and seven. All right, guys, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys, rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.